let me start by asking you, what are you looking forward to? As you sit here, the mor- uh, sit here this morning, what are you hoping that the future holds? Perhaps you're looking forward to school holidays. Perhaps you're looking forward to the HSC finishing. That's only nine weeks to go now, not very long. Uh, maybe you're looking forward to summer, some warmer weather, going for a swim. Maybe you're looking forward to the day when it eventually rains again. What are you looking forward to? Me? Uh, We've got a family holiday in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. But the reason I mention all that is at the start of of chapter 9 here, Daniel is really looking forward to something himself. He's looking forward to finally going home to Jerusalem. So have a look at how the chapter starts. Chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. Now, just pause there. That's a reminder to us that Daniel is an 80-something-year-old man in exile in Babylon, and he's been there for a really, really long time, hasn't he? Remember, all the way back in chapter 1, Daniel was just a teenager when he was taken as a prisoner of war from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon. And there he was forced to change his name, you might remember. He was indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture, He was made to serve the kings of Babylon. He had his life threatened on numerous occasions, including that time we read about a couple of weeks ago when he was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel's time in exile has been long and it has been really hard. But in the first year of King Darius, Daniel reads something that gives him fresh hope. He reads something that he starts to really look forward to. Look at verse 2. In the first year of Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So while Daniel is there in exile, he starts reading the Old Testament book of Jeremiah and he comes across a passage that says that the exile will last for 70 years. Now, it doesn't actually tell us there which part of Jeremiah he was reading, But it was probably chapter 29. In Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah, he's back in Jerusalem and he writes a letter and this is who he sends it to. To the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Jeremiah sends this letter to Daniel and his friends. And in the letter, this is what Jeremiah writes. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So God says to Daniel, I will bring you back from Babylon to Jerusalem when 70 years are completed. And Daniel hears that and he thinks, wow, that's soon. Like I've nearly been here for that long. Maybe I can go home. And he starts really, really looking forward to it. Now, as an aside, just quickly, one of the verses there, 
that one there, uh, it actually gets quoted lots by people today. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. People today kind of try and claim that as a promise from God to us, that he will prosper us, that he will make us rich, that we can avoid trouble and hardship. But let's be clear, this is a promise from God to the people in Babylon to return them to the promised land. It's a promise to Daniel and not directly to us. And in response to God's promise, Daniel prays. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. In verses 4 to 19 of Daniel's prayer, he starts basically by saying sorry to God for his sin. Verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. And then Daniel goes on to acknowledge that God was right to punish them for their sin. Verse 14. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster upon us because the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. But even though God was right to punish them for their sin, Daniel finishes his prayer by asking God to forgive and to keep the promise that he made back in Jeremiah to bring them home to Jerusalem. Have a look at verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your holy people bear your name. So see, Daniel's been reading in Jeremiah that the exile will end after 70 years, and he's really, really looking forward to it, and so he prays. And he pleads with God to keep his promise, to forgive their sins, to end the exile, and to bring them home. And delightfully, God answers immediately. Look with me at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given which I have come to tell you. So isn't that lovely? Daniel prays and God answers, and he answers immediately. In fact, it says there that Daniel hadn't even finished praying and God answered. And that little interaction between God and Daniel, it gives us an insight into God's heart. Remember the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son? Even before the son had decided to come home, the father was there waiting. Watching, 
ready to forgive, longing to welcome his son back with open arms. That's the same God that Daniel prayed to. That's the God we pray to. The God who treasures sinners. The God who loves to forgive. The God who loves and treasures you. The God who hears and answers our prayers. And here, God hears Daniel's prayer and he answers immediately. And it is a really, really exciting answer because basically God says, yep, I'm going to forgive you guys. Yep, I'm going to put an end to the exile. Yep, I'm going to bring you back to the land. But that is just the beginning. There is so much more to look forward to. So have a look at verse 24. Verse 24 is the start of God's answer. And it really gives us God's whole plan in one go. And just listen to how exciting it is. Verse 24. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. That is God's plan, see? That is where God is leading his people. God says that Daniel's greatest, godliest desires will be fulfilled, right? They will be forgiven, their shame will be covered, but God says he'll do so much more than that. In answer to Daniel's prayer, God promises a time in the future when transgression will be finished once and for all. A time when sin will be no more. A time when wickedness and guilt and shame will have been atoned for and dealt with and covered over. God promises a time when everlasting righteousness will have been brought in. Daniel pleads with God to forgive their sin and to bring them home and God's answer is, I will give you that and so much more because that is too small. There is a time coming when I will never be angry with sin again. Sin will be gone dealt with, finished forever, and after that time there will, nev- there will be no more punishment and there will never be another exile. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? But when's it going to happen? Well, look again at the start of verse 24. 77s are decreed. So this incredible time of forgiveness, when sin will be no more, that God promises here, it will happen in 77s. But what on earth does that mean? Well, the next few verses, verses 25 to 27, they now go through that plan again and they break it up into three smaller sections. The first part of God's plan is getting his people back to Jerusalem and that's going to happen relatively soon in 77s. Have a look at verse 25. From the, issuing of, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So there are two parts there, right? The first part is restoring and rebuilding Jerusalem. That's getting God's people home, and that will happen in seven sevens, a short period of time, soon. And then once the people are back in Jerusalem, the second part of God's plan is for them to wait there until the anointed one comes. And they're going to have to wait, it says, for 62 sevens. In other words, a really long period of time. 
But eventually, after seven sevens and after 62 sevens, it'll be time for the last seven, the 70th seven. And at that time, the anointed one will come. In verses 26 and 27, they tell us what he will do. And as I read, listen and just see if it reminds you of anyone. Verse 26. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and he will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, look, in all honesty, there are some weird things in those verses. But doesn't it remind you of Jesus? The anointed one will be cut off and he will have nothing. Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah, right? Literally, that means he was the anointed one. But even though he was the anointed one, the Christ, God in the flesh, he made himself nothing. He humbled himself and became our servant and he deliberately took our sins on himself and he willingly died for them on the cross and because he died covered in our sin, he was cut off from the Father. He was separated from God so that we would never have to be cut off from God again. And the sacrifice that Jesus made, sacrificing himself for our sins, it's so fully, it's so completely dealt with sin that it put an end to all need for sacrifice and offerings. That's what God said would happen in verse 27. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. At the start of this chapter, Daniel was excited at the thought that the exile might end soon and that he might be able to go home to Jerusalem. But can you imagine how much more excited he must have felt by the end of the chapter? Because God in this chapter is promising Daniel that the end of the exile is just the beginning. They would get back from the exile, yes, but that wasn't the real answer to sin. The real answer to sin was Jesus. He would come and he would be cut off. And by his death, he would finish transgression. And he would put an end to sin. And he would atone for wickedness. And he would bring in everlasting righteousness. Now that is something for Daniel to look forward to. But friends, we don't need to look forward to it, do we? Because what Daniel could only long for and dream about and look forward to, everlasting righteousness, forgiveness, peace with God, we can actually have that here and now. So let me ask you, do you have that? Do you have the forgiveness, the end to sin, the peace with God that Daniel was looking forward to? Because God wants to forgive you. Because that's just what God's like. In his heart, God loves to forgive. God is just like that father in the story of the prodigal son, watching, waiting for his son to come home so he can forgive and welcome him in with open arms. 
And here in Daniel, as soon as Daniel began to pray, while Daniel was still praying, God answered. It's like he was just waiting for Daniel to ask so he could immediately forgive. And if you ask God to forgive you, he will. But hey, if you're here and you are a Christian, if you are forgiven by God, do you realise just how incredibly good that is? To have God's anger and wrath turned away. To have your shame and guilt covered over. To have your sin put to an end. To have everlasting righteousness to have experienced God's mercy and forgiveness, to have peace with God, that will never come to an end. To have God look at you and say, I will never be angry with you again. I will never punish you again. I will never be separated from you ever again. Do you realise how incredibly good that is? I heard a story You might have heard this story as well, that some years ago, Arnold Palmer, a famous golfer, was invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come and play golf. Palmer accepted the invitation, and so the king flew his private jet over to the United States to pick him up. And after playing in a series of exhibition matches, uh, it was time for Palmer to go home. And as he was getting on the plane, the king asked him, uh, he stopped him and said, I want to give you a gift for coming all this way and for making this time so enjoyable. Anything you want, what can I get you? And Palmer replied, look, please don't get me anything. You've been a gracious host. I've had a wonderful time. I couldn't ask for anything more. But the king was adamant and he said, no, look, I insist on giving you something so you'll always remember your journey to our country. And so eventually uh, Palmer gave in and he said, okay, fine. I collect golf clubs. Why don't you give me a golf club? And he boarded the plane. On the flight home, he started to wonder about what kind of uh, club the king might give him. Maybe it would be a solid gold putter with his name engraved in it. Maybe a sand wedge encrusted with diamonds. And when he got home, Palmer started watching the mail every day uh, to see if his golf club had arrived yet. And eventually, after several weeks, a letter turned up from the king. And uh, when he opened it up, to his surprise, Palmer discovered the deed to a 500-acre golf club, complete with fairways, bunkers, greens... The lot. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's a great story, isn't it? (laughs) Arnold Palmer got way, way more than he asked for. Far more than he could ever have dreamed or thought possible. And isn't that just like Daniel in this chapter? He asked God to bring him back from the exile, but God promised him so much more than that. And what Daniel could only look forward to What he could only dream about, we have that, friends. What we have in Jesus, you couldn't ask for anything more. Jesus came so that we can have forgiveness. He came so we can have peace with God that will never end. He came to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. You couldn't possibly ask for anything more. And it's all ours. Let me pray and thank God for what he's given us in Jesus. 
Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and your generosity in the first instance to Daniel and your people in the Old Testament. Thank you for forgiving them and for bringing them home from the exile to Jerusalem. But Father, we're really, really excited by these promises that you made to Daniel in this chapter, that there was a time coming when the Anointed One would arrive and when he would do away with sin and transgression, when he would cover over guilt and shame, when he would bring in righteousness without end. And Father, we're really, really thankful that we know that Jesus did that. By his death in our place, he put an end to sin and he made it so we can be forgiven by you, so we can be right with you. Father, that is... That is so big that it's almost beyond our comprehension just how good that is. And so, Father, we pray that we would hold on to what we have in Jesus, that we would come to him for forgiveness and to have our sin dealt with, to have everlasting peace with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.